But we're nearing the end of our message series, Understanding the End Times. And God's Word tells us that we're living in the last days. And so by now you should be able to tell me why we're living in the last days. We're living in the last days because uh, the last days are the time period from when Jesus ascended into heaven until when He comes again at the second coming. Today we're going to look into the far future. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about what eternity is going to be like for the believer. Last Sunday we learned that at Jesus' return, believers are going to receive resurrection bodies. I'm excited. Can't wait to have my resurrection body. Probably going to be a lot taller than any of you. Okay? That's what I'm asking for. So, so we're going to have our resurrection bodies. And... God is going to change us. Those that have passed on are going to be resurrected. Those that are still alive are going to be changed. And at the return of Christ, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. And during that thousand years, believers in their resurrected bodies are going to rule and reign on this earth, on this planet. It's often called the millennium. At the end of the millennium, Satan's going to be loosed and the nations are going to revolt and Christ is going to uh, crush the rebellion and all the rebels, all the evil forces of the enemy uh, are going to be cast into the lake of fire, uh, which is hell. And then the present earth and the present heavens are going to be destroyed by fire. And God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the new heavens and earth. The new heavens and earth are going to be the home of the believer forever. It's going to be a place in which all evil has been removed. It's going to be a place of perfection, a place of holiness, a place filled with the glory of God. Now notice that our eternal home is not just heaven. I'd say 90% of people think we're just going to be disembodied spirits floating around with little wings and halos on our heads playing harps. You ever seen any Christmas cards like that? And that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible teaches that it's a new heavens and a new earth. The two are going to merge together, the new heavens and earth, in a perfect paradise that God has designed for believers to live with Him forever in their resurrected bodies. We're going to have bodies. Resurrected bodies in, the eternal, in eternity. I'd like you to pull out a white page in the middle of your program. It should be here somewhere. And uh, pull that out. It's got the... You have the right one. Somehow I got the one from last Sunday. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm preaching on. But uh, Thank you, Dick. That's the right one. That's what I'm preaching on. And it has the uh, scriptures written out for you as well as the outline. On the back is a study guide. And we're going to be going over that in our uh, life group tonight. I believe the other one will as well. And uh, it's also something you can use in your own private study time. It's got extra verses, uh, things in there that will help you better understand as you dig in a little more deeply, even than what I talk about in the message. The first verse here is 2 Peter 3. It says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. 
Underline that phrase, looking forward. Are you looking forward to the new heavens and new earth? I am. It's going to be a wonderful place. And so the day of the Lord talked about in, this, in these verses is the entire sequence of events that are set into motion at the return of Christ. And, and there's a whole lot that's going to happen when he returns. But we're going to talk about the new heavens and new earth. It says in these verses that the present heavens and earth are going to be destroyed by fire. And God is going to create this new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21, 1 and 2 puts it this way. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. There's not going to be any sea in the new heavens and new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And so in the new heavens and new earth, heaven comes down and merges with the new earth. The new heaven and earth will be paradise restored. The first paradise was in the Garden of Eden, but what happened? It was defiled by sin and the resultant curse. In the new heaven and earth, sin, evil, and the curse will be completely removed and God will dwell with his people forever in the new heavens and earth. Now why does God show us what is to come? What practical purpose does it serve? C.S. Lewis, a famous theologian, said, and I quote, he said, the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most about the next. Let me repeat that. The Christians who did most for the present world were, were just those who thought most about the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, and you will see earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Peter 3. It says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, speaking of the present heavens and earth being destroyed by fire, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. Underline look forward. We're to look forward to the coming of Christ. We're to look forward to this new heavens and new earth. And so in other words, thinking about eternity, thinking about the new heavens and new earth should motivate us to live godly and holy lives here and now. It should motivate us to get ready for that new world. It should motivate us to live lives that bring honor to Jesus and to lead as many people as possible into his kingdom so they can also experience paradise restored. And so what will the new heavens and earth be like? Today we're going to look at a passage from the Old Testament from the prophet Ezekiel. In the last part of the book of Ezekiel, the prophet wrote about a glorious temple. A glorious temple that was coming. And the temple that Ezekiel had a vision of, I believe, was a picture of of what the new heavens and earth will look like. And if you read Revelation 21 and 22, which we don't have time to look at much today, there's a lot more references in your study notes, you'll see an incredible parallel between the new heavens and new earth in the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, a great parallel between Ezekiel uh, that we're going to be talking about today. And so let's get a glimpse of eternity. 
what it's going to be like. It's hard to imagine, but the new heavens and new earth. First of all, God's glory is going to be there. Ezekiel 43, the vision begins. Ezekiel writes, I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. What is glory? Well, well, glory is a difficult word to define. When used with respect to God, glory speaks of God's glorious revelation of himself. So when you use a word to define a word, you know it's kind of hard to define. You know, glory is a glorious revelation. Uh, Glory speaks of honor, it speaks of beauty, it speaks of majesty, it speaks of light, it speaks of holiness, it speaks of the presence of God. In earlier visions, Ezekiel had seen the glory of God depart from the temple. The glory of God used to reside in the Holy of Holies uh, above the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubim. It was described as, you know, a blinding, blazing light. And if you, only the high priest could come in there at a certain time of the year after he'd done many uh, sacrifices and cleansed himself, if there was any sin in his life, he'd be immediately struck dead. The glory resided there. But the glory had departed because of the many sins of the nation of Israel. There was no longer the glorious presence of God in the temple. And now, In Ezekiel's final vision, he sees the glory of God returning with God speaking and the entire land shining with his glory. God's glory will fill everything. What he saw next in verse 4 and 5, he said, The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So in this vision, the glory of the Lord came It entered into the temple. It completely filled the temple. As I said before, in the Old Testament, the glory was confined to the Holy of Holies, but now the glory was filling the entire temple, something that had never seen before. Now, these passages in Ezekiel, they're visions. Not everything in the Bible is to be taken literally. They're visions that show us spiritual truth. In the new heaven and new earth, every aspect of the new creation will be God's temple. For His glory will fill everything. Revelation 21-22, just one verse, says, In the new heavens and new earth, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And so this new Jerusalem is coming down to earth, filled with the glory of God just as Ezekiel had seen the glory filling the temple. So God the Father and Jesus the Lamb are the temple of the new heavens and new earth. And God will live with His people in the new heavens and new earth. In verse 7, the Lord speaks to Ezekiel and says, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet. This is where I will live with the Israelites forever. And let me say to right now that you and I as believers are Israelites in the eyes of God. Uh, we are children of the faith. We are of spiritual Israel. And so God created man to have an eternal relationship with him. God created man and woman to live in close relationship with him. But that relationship was broken 
by sin in the Garden of Eden. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned and they fell. But Jesus Christ came to this earth that our relationship with God might be restored. And so God lives in each and every believer today. And yet, we do not see God with our eyes, do we? We cannot reach out and touch Him. We're not able to live with Him in fullness, the fullness that God desires for eternity. And so we enjoy aspects of a relationship with God, but there are curses like woodpeckers knocking on the outside that disrupt God speaking to us. There'll be no woodpeckers in heaven or the new heavens and earth. There is much, much more to come. And so we're going to see God face to face. He's going to live with his people, with his family, in the new heavens and new earth forever. Now how should we respond? We should respond to this vision of the new heavens and new earth with repentance and faith. Verse 9 and 10 of Ezekiel chapter 43. Let them put away from me their prostitution and the lifeless idols of their kings and I will live among them forever. Son of man, describe the temple to the people of Israel that they may be ashamed of their sins. And so what effect was Ezekiel's vision supposed to have on the people of Israel of his day? Well, this vision of God's glory, this vision of holiness, this vision of walking with God and being with God once again should have caused them to be ashamed of their sins, to repent, to turn away from their sin, and turn in faith to God. And yet, most of Israel did not repent. Most of Israel did not turn away from their sins. And so God's judgment fell on the nation of Ezekiel's day. The Babylonian Empire, the reigning world power, came in and destroyed most of Israel, carried the rest of the people away into captivity. And when Jesus came, the majority of Israel rejected Jesus as their Messiah, and through the Roman Empire, the temple was completely destroyed once and for all. And so in this vision of Ezekiel, we see the glory of God coming into this, this incredible temple. We're just scratching the surface. There's many chapters about this temple in the book of Ezekiel. And so in the Old Testament, God dwelt in a physical temple. Now in the New Testament, when Jesus came, the Bible teaches us that God dwells in individual believers. He calls you as a believer a temple of the Holy Spirit. A place in which God dwells. So our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible also teaches us in the New Testament that a church is the temple of God. Made up of believers in which the Spirit of God dwells. And as we repent of our sins, as we live holy lives for God, God's glory fills us individually. God's glory can fill our church as we live for Him. And as believers, we are to live lives that are a foretaste of this new heavens and new earth. We are to bring heaven to earth, in a sense, through our lives. We're to let God's glory shine through our lives in everything that we say and do. In the new heavens and new earth, God's eternal life will flow. Jumping over to Ezekiel chapter 47. There was a man that was guiding Ezekiel through this vision. 
It says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And so this glorious temple that Ezekiel saw, filled with the glory of God, all of a sudden he sees water coming out from the temple. Water that, as we'll see, becomes a source of a mighty river. Now by now we should know this is not a physical temple. I mean, rivers don't come out of physical temples. Uh, this is a, a picture, it's a vision of what life will be like in this awesome new heavens and earth. What is a river? Well, the river is the Spirit's living water. Verse 45, uh, 47, verse 5. The, the man walked Ezekiel out into the river, into this water that flowed from the temple. First he went in, it was at his ankles. Then he went in, it was at his waist. And finally, in verse 5, he measured off another thousand cubits. And now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen. and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And so this was a river not just to wade in, not just to get your feet wet. It was a river to swim in. It was a river to be immersed in. And so I believe that picture of the water coming from the temple is a picture of the Spirit's living water flowing from God's presence into the whole earth. And what does that river do? Well, God's river removes the curse. Verse 9 Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Underline that phrase, everything will live. The river of God brings His life to everything it touches. In the original paradise, the Garden of Eden, there was a river and it flowed out from Eden into the world. And yet, after sin came into that original paradise, the curse flowed out from Eden into the rest of the world and it brought death to every aspect of life. God's river in the new heavens and new earth removes the effect of the curse. This is specifically stated in Revelation 22.3. It says, no longer will there be any curse in the new heavens and new earth. What else does the river do? Ezekiel 47.12 says, God's river will bring abundance and healing. It says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of this river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And so this river flowing out from the temple will provide water for all kinds of fruit trees growing on the banks of the river. These are not ordinary fruit trees. Ordinary fruit tree bears fruit, what, once a year, right? And their leaves wither in the fall and fall off. But these, fruits, these fruit trees will bear fruit every month. Their leaves won't wither. They will be continually fruitful because they're watered with a special water, the water that flows from the temple. And the fruit of these trees will provide food and healing. Now you can read about that river in Revelation 22. In Revelation 22, the trees along the side of the river are called the tree of life. 
The tree that Adam and Eve were forbidden from eating after they fell into sin was the tree of life. They were driven from the garden so they might not eat from the tree of life. But that tree, the tree of life, will be available to eat from in the new heavens and new earth. The tree of life, the tree of eternal life. And what should our response be in seeing the river of the new heavens and new earth? We should let that river flow from our own life. Jesus said in John 7:38, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So remember I said that each believer's life, each believer is like a temple for the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in us. A place for God's glory to live. And here Jesus says that whoever believes in him, streams of living water, just like in the vision of Ezekiel, would flow from that believer. What are these streams of living water? Well, the Bible tells us. Jesus, uh, the author, and John tells us, by this he meant the Spirit, that those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so these streams of living water can flow through our lives, even here and now. As we let the Spirit flow from our lives, He can begin to touch other people's lives. He can begin to do through our lives, here and now, what will be completed in the new heavens and new earth. The Spirit can bring life to everyone He touches. The Spirit can bring healing. He can meet needs. So God wants us to let His Spirit flow through us to touch many other people's lives. So what will the new heavens and new earth be like? Well, God's glory will be there. And His life will flow like a river. The new heavens and new earth will be beyond anything we can really think, we can imagine. And so God gives us pictures to help us better understand Visions of what it may be like. The new heavens and new earth will be the fullness of the kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that prayer will be fully answered in the new heavens and new earth. Because then, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, heaven and earth will merge together. And yet, even now, God's kingdom draws near through the lives of believers in whom Jesus Christ lives. Believers who are fully committed to Jesus Christ. God wants our lives to be temples filled with the glory of God. God wants our lives to allow His Spirit to flow through us like a river, bringing life bringing healing, bringing provision to those around us. So let's seek God's help to do our part in bringing His kingdom and will to this earth. So to become part of God's kingdom, to begin to experience His kingdom power in life even now, we need to commit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And to do that, you admit that you've sinned. That you've done wrong. That God's glory does not 
live inside of you. Secondly, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He paid the price. And He rose from the dead. And you commit your life to following Him as your Savior and Lord. And when you do that, God's Spirit comes and lives inside of you. His glory begins to fill you. His Spirit begins to flow out from you. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're not sure that you're a child of God, if you're not sure you have a relationship with God, if you don't hear God speaking to you on a daily basis, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. If you think that you're a good person and that and the good things you've done are going to get you to heaven, then you need to pray this prayer because no one is good enough to go to heaven. Everyone has sinned and one sin is enough to keep you from heaven. And so we all need God's forgiveness. So let's pray this prayer together. Pray in your own mind something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I cannot be good enough to go to a perfect heaven. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, took my sin upon Himself as He died upon the cross and paid the penalty for my sin that I might have eternal life. I believe He lives today. God raised Him from the dead. I commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank You for making me a new creation. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank You for this vision that You gave Ezekiel thousands of years ago. And in that vision, we get a glimpse, God, of the future that You have for us in these new heavens and new earth. And God, we desire to bring some of that glory, some of that wonder, some of Your power, some of that life, that healing into our world here and now. Help us, God, to repent of any sin or compromise in our lives that, that diminishes Your glory that You want to shine through us. We want Your glory to shine through us. May our lives be emptied of those things that we put ahead of You as idols. May You be preeminent in our lives. Fill us with Your Spirit, God, so that, as Jesus said, the rivers of living water may flow through our lives even now to those around us who need your touch. God, we pray that this church, that Life Church, may increasingly be a temple in which your Spirit dwells, a temple in which your glory shines forth, a temple in which rivers of living water flow out to touch lives and bring healing, restoration, and your presence. Help this church to be a foretaste of the new heavens and new earth, an outpost of your kingdom in the darkness of this world. God, we pray that many more would come to discover and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.